Welcome to episode 59 of Drew Sports Crew. Here we have another week, another guest. So today, Robert Chimick is joining me here on the Sports Crew. Usually hear us do EWC episodes, but today he is a part of the Sports Crew and he's doing the Monday episode with me. So, Robert, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to uh, come along and talk some uh, sports, not just EWC, like you said, but yeah, sports in general, national sports here. Yeah, now the big stage here, right? Um, you know, we always like to do our high school episodes, like I said. So Robert always has been a part of here, the sports crew, but now he's doing the official, you know, episode called the sports crew. So with that, let's get into it here. But a few things before we do that. Uh, you might see a new some new posts on Instagram. For example, on Sundays, we're going to be posted a schedule, you know, laying out what's going on on the week. So with that, that'll be on our sports crew account. But you might not see like the EWC stuff. Usually we like to post on EWC underscore sports. But so just keep a lookout for those posts. Uh, Zach Roush also uh, is planning, you know, with Journey to Million, we'll be making more rankings. Zach made those draft rankings. Look, we want to tie some things into some fantasy sports here. So we might make some fantasy football rankings. It'll be a lot of fun. And lastly here, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Always, you know, we've been getting some subscribers there. You know, people love love listening to the EWC sports episodes on there as well. Good alternative. If you don't want to listen, you know, maybe on the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. But with that, let's get into the shout out of the week. And I let Robert choose this one. And Robert, who'd you go with? Yeah, you know, I mean, I just had to go with Grayson Allen today because it's like I'm just watching him today and not many came to mind but him. You know, Grayson Allen, just I've always liked him as a player. I mean, a lot of people don't like him just because he's kind of a punky, dirty player, a lot of people say. But you know what? I love those guys. You need those guys on your team. And I think, you know, he's not quite the P.J. Tucker defensive maybe last year the Bucks had, but. I just I just like those kind of dogs in the playoffs that can just get you uh, get you just kind of fired up and he he, he can he can shoot it so I mean six for seven today from beyond the arc I believe and then yeah he's just I mean I, I he's just one that first came to mind yeah and rightfully so look what you know he dominated in that one nineteen to ninety five win for the Bucks in Chicago and let's go right here to the stats of the week because I have a stat. With Grayson Allen, so I'm glad he chose him there. Like you said, he went six for seven from three, finished with 27 points. He joins Danny Green as the only player in NBA postseason history to have back-to-back playoff games with at least five three-point field goals made on 70% three-point field goal shooting or better. So, you know, there's two guys now, and Grayson Allen is one of those two guys. So awfully impressive there. And then we have to talk about a four-game series between the Pirates and the Cubs that took place this past weekend, right? We saw that 21-0 stinker Cubs win against the Pirates. And the Pirates, they won the other three games in that series. They ended up winning that series, that four-game series, with a minus 17 run differential. And that is the worst run differential in a four-game series win in MLB history. So look at it there. And then the Cubs have the worst... um, Run differential are the best run differential in a series where they lose with a plus 17 run differential. So that's that's that goes both ways there with the Cubs and the Pirates. Next stat, you know, the Cubs, I talked about the 21 nothing win over the Pirates ties the third largest shutout win in LB's modern era. And that's since 1900. 
and it's the largest shutout victory in Cubs history. Robert, did you see that 21 nothing when that took place on Saturday? Yeah, I did. And, you know, I looked at, like, the box score. Just everyone was everyone was having a good day for the Cubs. And first thought that came to my mind was, I think it was, like, 2008 or something, 2009. Brewers won a game at PNC uh, Park 20 to nothing. So that was, I'm guessing that had to be Brewers' biggest shutout win. But, yeah, yep. that's the first thing that came to my mind. So a lot of blowouts there at PNC. Yep, and here we go. Uh, next one here with a single against the Colorado Rockies, Miguel Cabrera. He became the 33rd member of the 3000 Hit Club. And, yeah, his, talk about his resume. Uh, he's the former AL MVP, Triple Crown winner. And he's just the seventh, seventh player in MLB history to have both 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. Easily first ballot Hall of Famer. Not a question. And just a quick quick thoughts here, right? Uh, who do we think is going to be next to 3,000? Look, there's not even a, there's not really many guys who are going to be able to attain this, I think, you know, in the upcoming years, just based on age and, you know, other factors, injury and such. I personally right now think Manny Machado is the next guy, Robert. Yeah, you know, Manny Machado in this, you'll like this. I uh, talked about Grayson a little bit. Manny Machado is my favorite uh, MLB player. Just, I just like those guys. So I, I hope he's the next guy to 3,000. I mean, he definitely, I, I checked today the 3,000 active players list. I, I would think it'd be Juan Soto just because, but he might get walked too much. Yep, like, I that's... Think, like, I think he gets walked too much. I think he'll be close, but yeah, Manny Machado, what, is he at like 1,400 hits right now? He's 1,445, and he's, yeah, he's, he's further into his career, right? So he's going to hit it before Juan Soto would. Yeah, so he's, I believe, I think he's 30 years old. 20, 29. Actually, 29. So he's 29 years old. Yeah, I mean, the thing about that 3,000 hits, like they said today, like, yeah, you, you got to come in early and you got to stay late. And I think, yeah, Machado came in early. Um, and hopefully he stays late. I mean, he's he's had kind of some sneaky good seasons recently. So I hopefully, yeah, hopefully he can get it. And I think it's either him or Juan Soto. Yeah, against Soto with the walk rate being so high, it is like how high it is. Um, that, that, that's going to definitely hurt his case, but – same with a guy like Votto, right? I, I know Votto's had some down years, some injury years, but like the rate he walks at, it just hurts his chances for, you know, uh, a counting stat like 3,000 hits. But, you know, all these guys, phenomenal, phenomenal at what they do. And yeah, you know, Machado, uh, that 2018 postseason still, you know, makes me despise him a little bit, but you still got to respect, you know, what he's what he's been able to do in this past decade now already. So uh, next stat here, we got one more. And it is in the world of basketball, NBA here. So we saw that remarkable comeback win with the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. The Grizzlies, they went on a 15-0 run in the first half and a 21-0 run in the second half. And they're the third team over the last 25 seasons with multiple 15-0 runs in the same playoff game. And that's the first time since 2010. So you know, we, they say basketball is a game of runs. And here, here we go, a prime example of it there. In the NBA playoffs, Robert. Yeah, you know, I didn't kind of forgot what I was doing that night. I didn't see that game live. Just kind of following it along in the app. But yeah, I really like that uh, Minnesota. Two teams I really like. I think Grizzlies might be like a John Morant, maybe slightly overrated, just because I think he gets a lot of like Twitter hype in Minnesota. But yeah, I really like that Minnesota squad and should be a good ending of the series. It should be indeed. That's that's you know a good seven two series there. 
brewing. Not like the one we thought that was going to be good in the East right now. Three nothing. Hopefully they could turn that around. But let's talk on this day here, Robert. On this day, April 25th, 2022. And let's go. 1901. In in last or so it's in the bottom of the ninth. They call it in the last of the ninth. So maybe that's the language they used in 1901. The Detroit Tigers, they're trailing by 13 to four, and they score a whopping 10 runs to win one of the greatest comebacks in baseball history. And that would be the first game that took place in Detroit in 1901. So some funky wording there, you know, tra- saying trailing by and in the last of the ninth. But oh well. 1950 on this day, Chuck Cooper, he becomes the first African-American to be drafted in the NBA. And that was by the Boston Celtics in that year. And on this day in 1974, the NFL, they move the goalposts and they adopt the sudden death playoff. And that was, like I said, on this day in 1974, on this day in 1978, the Philly fanatic, he makes his first appearance. I had to include that. If you're watching the Brewer game Sunday night, on ESPN, we did see the Philly Fanatic. He did make a surprise appearance, which was always good to see. On this day in 1993, the NFL draft, Washington State quarterback Drew Bledsoe. He's the first pick by the New England Patriots. And the last one here, another NFL draft one on this day in 2009, Georgia quarterback Matthew Stafford. He's the first pick by the Detroit Lions. Robert, do you want to comment on any of those on this days that took place? Yeah, Um couple yeah the philly fanatic like you saw spilling popcorn in the booth there i still remember they brought up one of the greatest like espn commercials when he's using Derek jeter's razor that's one of my favorites and uh yeah the drew bledsoe too that's that's a big one it's just you know a lot of people always ask uh, what could have been if you know he never got knocked out that one day and that when he played for the patriots so that that's a big one there too the beauty of sports is what they say. And yeah, let's go now here to the weekly sports talk. So we're going to be doing a lot of brewer stuff here, talk some bucks, and then we're going to round it out with some trivia. So let's start here with the Brewers. Let's talk about this past week in baseball for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, I I predicted that they were going to go. I said five and one, and you know what they did? They went five and one. They, they followed what I said. I predicted the exact records. So I win the prediction challenge this week as I beat Jared. He said four and two. So I am now one and one for the prediction challenge. And yeah, just looking back at this past week in baseball, I think the Sunday night game, you know, was an absolute treat, you know, for us fans, you know, a one nothing pitchers duel win. We'll talk about that later here first, but I want to talk about the three game series that sweep against the Pirates. Let's hear about it, Robert. What did you, what do you think so far from the Brewers here, especially that Pirate series there? Yeah, you know, I think the story of the Brewers' season, I mean, as they sit atop the NL Central, tied with the Cardinals here, it's just been – we knew it coming into the year, they're dominant pitching, and it's just like everybody knows about, yeah, the Brewers are struggling right now hitting. And I think, that obviously, like my, me, myself, and a lot of fans, you know, you, you want to see those big run totals. You want to see those home runs. You want to see Bernie go down that slide, but it's just at the end of the day, like, pitching will still win you ball games. Like I just take, for example, like those 2008 to 2011 teams, it's just like, yeah, Brewers could get the crap out of the ball, but just, just never had those like great pitching staff and great bullpen. So I just think they're getting the job done just by their pitching here. And they're just, they're doing just enough. I think they kind of got lucky. Like some games, they just, they've matched up when they need to score enough runs. They do. And they find ways to win. So I think 
yeah, right now you can't overreact to maybe some low averages or some, you know, not maybe hitting as much home runs as you want when, you know, you're winning games one to nothing like this. And once you get into that eighth, ninth inning, it's pretty much lights out from there. I really can't remember a closer. Like maybe, maybe besides like the middle early days of Chapman where it's just like hater comes in, everyone's just scared. Like, oh crap, like it's over. Like you, just blowing the most un, probably untouchable pitcher right now in the ninth inning in baseball. So at, at least the Brewers have that. Yeah. And yeah, like that Pittsburgh series, big thing, big story for me was, you know, uh, we saw um, Christian Yelich, right? The grand slam. That was the big story. Gets a change up, right? They leave Thompson in for too long. Derek Shelton. I don't know what he was doing. Leaving, you know, Yelich in, or he left Thompson in for Yelich and you got to change up right down the middle, smack dab down the middle. You look, look, you still can't make mistakes to a guy like Yelich, you know, and grand slam, boom. That kind of ended up being, you know, the big thing for the Brewers there. But, you know, that was Eric Lauer, right? I mean, he pitched in that game as well. He looked great. Uh, he surrendered that home run to Diego Castillo, but oh well. Uh, he, he dominated, right? Burns. Burns and Woodruff, their time around, you know, against it, they look great, right? I'm, I, I know there's some concern for Woodruff, which I never understood why. Look, I, I like the first two starts. I he's still it's still Brandon Woodruff, right? I, I know I know there's some concerns with new baseball, right? And and even there's some concerns right with Garrett Cole. Like I don't know why. <laughs> and look, he proved himself um, on this Sunday against the Indians, but. Uh, yeah, the Brewers, they take care of them. They have great pitching. That They roll their, you know, dynamic duel there with Woodruff and Burns against the Pirates. And and then, yeah, you go, they go to Philadelphia for that three. And they historically don't do well in Philly. And, yeah, I mean, if you can win this series. Look, I didn't know how they were going to fare against Ranger Suarez. Thankfully, they were able to knock him out a little earlier than I, I, I thought they would have been able to. But. You know, they played good enough to win there. Aaron Ashby got, you know, screwed over by some contact that the Phillies got that <laughs> that had no business being hits, right, Robert? Uh, I don't know. What did you think, you know, with this this Philadelphia season series that took place this past weekend? Yeah, you know, like I said, it's just doing enough to win and just, I mean, yeah, yeah, like some of the weak contact there. But, yeah, then again, like tonight, and, I mean, a lot of, it's good to see that Yelich got that sack fly tonight because it's just like he's been really struggling uh, this season and the last couple seasons. It's just like his approach is just a little off and him coming back from his injuries, but I hope he can come back and just be good. But, yeah, yeah, I just saw from this Philadelphia series, you know, just just like I said, just doing enough to win, just getting it done. I mean, the Brewers are just playing solid baseball right now. I know they just – they lost a couple early to the Cubs, and then they weren't, like, maybe as sharp as you'd like in the Orioles series. But just, like, just the last couple of games, it's just – you just have faith they're just going to make the plays out there. And you always got that bullpen, like I mentioned. And it's just I'm, – I'm just curious to see what one of these hitters kind of just, like, breaks out here, comes around. I know Kesson here I had a home run, not in this past series, but – Hopefully he's a guy that can come around a little bit, but yeah, hopefully, you know, who knows, maybe they make a move at the deadline here, but yeah, just overall these last like couple of series, I've just, the Brewers have just looked more, more kind of like, you know, they got those first couple of series out of the way. They look more like the old Brewers. And the thing I want to mention about like that Garrett Cole and the Brandon Woodruff is 
you know, you've heard a lot of people talk about it on Twitter, on broadcast. It's just like with the shortened uh, spring training, most, most pitchers have three, four starts and, you know, simulated training before simulated starts before spring training. So they're, they're more on like that seventh, eighth kind of start once they get to opening day and pitchers, you know, they, the training and uh, OTAs, baseball's version of maybe OTAs before spring training started. Like, I, I know there's a term, I, I don't know it right now, but yeah, like, I, I just think like, since all that was shortened, I just think it might take a little bit of time here for some of these uh, big name guys to just get, get a little sharp and get back to their old self. But yeah, I have no, no really worries about Woodruff or, you know, any other pitchers that are struggling right now. As you saw, like Aaron Nola tonight, he struggled a couple in his first couple starts. His last two, um, he really struggled in those, and he was really sharp tonight, only allowing, I think, one hit through seven innings. So, yeah, I just – that's where I kind of see, like, the Brewers and Major League Baseball through this point. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, right? Brewers, they always find a way to win. And I know you that's a theme you've mentioned. I totally agree with you there. And they, they did again, you know, on that Sunday night. Regardless of how you know the strike zone was, right? I, I and it ended up hurting the both squads, but it ended up hurting the Phillies more, it seemed, in crucial at bats. But Eric Lauer gets 17 swinging strikes. And that is that is something to keep an eye out for. Look, Eric Lauer, he was dominant in the second half. Him and Hauser both were last year. Lauer's continuing that dominance this year. And all I'm saying is watch out. You know, their first four, right? If Peralta gets you know, a little bit more back on track. And I'm not worried, of course, about Woodruff or Burns. But, yeah, look, this is going to be a tough front four. And even with Hauser, he had a great second-half ERA last year. And I think, you know, again, the Fab Five returns here this year. So keep an eye out for that. And, Robert, we're going to do our Brewer Prediction Challenge here. So I'm going to read, you know, they got seven games this upcoming week. They have the interesting Monday game there against San Francisco the Giants because of the lockout. So they go back to Milwaukee. They play one game against the Giants and then they fly back out to Pittsburgh and they're in Philadelphia right now. So they, they have to fly back to Milwaukee one game and then they have to go fly all the way back, you know, back into Pennsylvania to play Pittsburgh. That's just how it works. And they play three games then against the Pirates and then they go back home. They fly back to um, American Family Field and into Milwaukee and they play the Cubs for a three-game set there as well. So there's seven games then on this slate, this week's slate. So, Robert, I'll start with you. How do you think the Brewers are going to perform? So what happens is if you pick whatever record you pick, you get everything above it basically because or below it based on how I pick, right? So if I pick four, four and three, um, I'll get – and you pick like three and four, right? You're going to get everything below. I'm going to get everything above. So with that, what are you going to pick? I'm going to pick, I think they go five and two. I think, yeah, they're hot right now. If I'm going game by game, I think, you know, tomorrow night, I think that might be an opportunity where they might drop a game. Um, who's on the mound for them tomorrow night? Wait, let, let me check. I don't know if it was, I do not know if it was announced yet. Uh, technically, you know, it would be. Right, if Lauer, Burns, it, it would think. be Bur- it would be Burns, and I think I think it is him. It goes Burns, and then it'll go Woodruff on Tuesday. Is how it should be. Gosh, that's tough. I, I never want you never really can pick against Burns, but I see that that's a that's a tough one because you know they used Devin Williams and Hader a lot recently. So, 
And I know uh, San Francisco's got their uh, closer available tomorrow. So I think that one is definitely a game that will be close, late innings that might get a little hairy. But I think – I definitely think if they would lose – I definitely think they lose two games in there. I think if they drop that one tomorrow, you know, you got the, the funky flights. And then I think between the Cubs and the Pirates, I think they're sweeping one of those series. Hopefully it's the Cubs because, uh, you know, just come on. Not – you're Brewer Sands. And then, yeah, I think they take, I think they drop one of those in there. And so, yeah, I'm going to say five and two for this next week. I think they stay hot here, don't have the toughest schedule coming up. And hopefully they can, yeah, pile on some division wins here. I totally agree with that. You know, I, I, I was, I was going to go five and two, which now I will not. So I go six and one or four and three here. And I always say this in the episodes look, I, I I'm going to root for my team here. And, I certainly think, you know, if there's a game to drop again, it's Burns' pitching, but I think it's, I think it's tomorrow's against, or today is technically here against the Giants. I'm going to go six and one. And I think this, this team's got to go on a hot streak here. And I think they will go on a hot streak. So I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking Brewers going six and one this week. They're going to put together a, another good stretch, just as they did this past week, going five and one. So with that here, Robert, we're going to talk. A little bit more about brewers here, but we're going to talk about a former brewer here, Ryan Braun. So I did a Wednesday poll, which I plan to keep these going. We're going to do some Wednesdays. You know, we're going to just survey, see what we see what you guys think, see what the fans think. And I I asked this question about Ryan Braun, right? Do you, do you think Ryan Braun's number should be retired by the Milwaukee Brewers is the debate question. And I, before we look at what some of the fans said, Robert, I'm going to go to you first. What do you think? 1,000%. Ryan Braun forever. He is my favorite brewer of all time and my favorite baseball player of all time. I mean, I just – I grew up with him, so maybe I'm a little biased. He's, but he's just my favorite favorite brewer ever. I think, yeah, you know, obviously you had the 2011, uh, you know, kind of MVP that a lot of people, you know, will say it's an asterisk or whatever. And then you had his whole – PEDs and obviously everyone knows about it so we won't spend a lot of time talking about it but yeah it's just like I mean what Ryan Braun it looked is like third in war for Brewers and Cecil Cooper is second I believe and Yelts obviously won and he's better than Cooper I think and so I I just think I think he's a top two Brewers player of all time if I really like and I've, I've, I've watched you know not a lot of games of the you know 70s and 80s when they were a solid team, but it's just like, I, I just think when you're, he's one of your faces of your franchise, not just, not just like he's one of your best statistical players of all time. He's just like this kind of that 2008 to 2011 run. They kind of went on there. He was, he had so many big moments in clutch hits and, and for his whole career, I, I can't really remember an MLB player having as much like just clutch hits as Ryan Braun had in clutch home runs. And it's just like, I just think he just, when you think of the Brewers, you, you just kind of associate Ryan Braun with the Brewers. And I think when that happens with a player and he's that important to a, to a city like Milwaukee, I just think you have to. I just think a thousand percent they will coming up here. And I mean, if they don't, I don't really see why they wouldn't. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I would just be shocked if they didn't. And look, I, I'm totally with you. I, my answer was they got, they have to. I, I, I think it's a matter of when, but look, I, my things for like the case for him is so strong because 
I, I was at the Ryan Braun um, retirement ceremony they did last year. Look, you're not. I've never seen a, a ceremony done like that for a player whose number is not retired. I, I don't know if you've seen that from last year that mm-hmm. they did absolute, you know, before the game, everything, yeah, family. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like, OK, if, if you're going to do something like that for a player, they better be up in the rafters one day. Right. They better be up. You know, their name better be solidified in that franchise history. I think Ryan Braun's done that. Look at his career numbers. Like you mentioned, I mean, he's on the top of all the leaderboards, right? All-time home run leader in franchise history with 352. And look, he's got he's got the resume. He's a franchise brewer. Again, you know, we, we mentioned like 2013, the steroid stuff got him suspended from earlier years. But again, everyone knows that. Like you said, it's right. I, I hope it's just a matter of when. And the reason I say I hope is because Look, like you mentioned, Cecil Cooper being number two in war in the franchise. Again, this is war, right? But Cecil Cooper is not retired. His number is not retired. Jim Gander, his number is not retired. I, there, there's some other guys, you know, that some of the people, older fans, right, who have watched, you know, grew up watching, and they're like, why are they? Well, well maybe they feel as if if Braun's number gets retired, well, maybe their numbers should get retired. But again, it comes down to look, look at what he's done for this franchise. Look at, you know, his longevity with this franchise, look at the clutch hits, look at the career stats. I think his resume, you know, has what it, it definitely has, you know, some, the resume of a retired number for a team. So with that, Robert, let's talk a little bit about what the fans said, the listeners here. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's get into it. So I asked the poll, or I asked the question for the poll. Should the Brewers retire number eight for Ryan Braun? 78% 78% of people said yes, 22% of people said no. So pretty good numbers there, I say, for our case here, considering we are both yeses. I asked why you picked what you picked. And I got, so one person who said no mentioned roids. And that was the one, that, so so the whole steroid thing, which, look, that, that certainly is the blemish, right, on the resume. Uh, do, do you think, Robert, that there's a possibility that this could hold him back? I mean, he's no Barry Bonds. Like, you know, Barry Bonds has his number retired. He's, you know, he's not Barry Bonds, but it's just like, yeah, I, Ryan Braun's not a Hall of Famer. And I think it's close if you, you know, injuries don't derail his career. And, but that's not what we're talking about here. I just think when you retire a player's number, it's just, you know, it part of that factors into just how much like importance he was to those teams. And I think that kind of outweighs his steroids. And yeah, I think, and I think just a lot of fans just forgave him. You know, it's just like, yeah, he made a mistake. He lied about it. But at the end of the day, it's just like, I think all those moments, I think they just kind of override what happened. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't think like roids is a fair thing to, to not let a player get recognized by his own team. Yes. For what he's done. And hall of fame, all you want, but um, and I, I'm reading stuff here now with like Jim Gander, right? I mentioned him already not re- his number not being retired. Nobody's worn his number since. So, you know, if they were not to retire him, I would hope nobody wouldn't wear number eight cents or number eight, you know, for the future. Right. But I, I certainly do think he, he should be, and will have his number retired. Here's some more thoughts from the fans here. Braun was a franchise par- player who won an MVP and carried the team for a long time. Exactly. Right. True. There entertaining for so many years is what one fan said exactly as well. Braun is one of the greatest players in franchise history down hands down for sure. 
all-time home run leader. It was likely you know, stay that way for a while. And then he was an MVP. Huge role in the 2010s. I agree with that. I think all these we agree with. Two more here from the fans. Lots of reasons. I would say solely for his walk-off Grand Slam versus Cardinals. That was a nice one. <laughs> like you talk about big hits, right? That's prime example there. The last one here. He was a vital part of the team. You know, a team that for many years and he helped them get to the playoffs, you know, in, in those stretches he was a part of. So I think all the things the fans said, you know, for his case, certainly I agree with all of them. And yeah, this was just something fun I wanted to do here. You know, talk about it on a Wednesday poll. Might do one of these this week too. You know, this Wednesday might, might throw a question out there. See what everyone thinks, you know, for the fans. So that was a lot of fun. And yeah, Robert, thanks for partaking in that discussion with me. So uh, our verdict is his numbers should get retired, right? And I think it's just it should be just a matter of when, right? Yeah, just one last thing to add. I just I just always felt like Ryan Braun, like you just knew like late in the game when Ryan Braun was up, you always had a chance, you know, like that. that's that's just one thing, like just a player. You always knew you had a chance with Ryan Braun, always is going to make good contact late. And yeah, of course, he, 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 we are both on the side. And I, I just it's a matter of it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. Awesome. So with that here, before we go to trivia, Let's talk about the Bucks, right? We talked about we talked about Grayson Allen. We talked about his big performance here in game four. And let's talk about, you know, these past few games here. Let's just go talk about three and four preview five a little. Look, three was talk about a game not even close. A blow up from the start. Wow. I mean, it was that was something else, Robert. Uh, just the Bucks look, they look like when they beat lost game two, it looked like a demon, you know, was awoken inside of them. They, you know, business was met and, you know, had not having Chris Middleton out for these couple of weeks, which is certainly gonna hurt the squad. Uh, they just looked hungry. And I think, you know, that that's going to do it. You know, Bobby Portis going back to the United center, doing his thing, 18 and 16 in game three. And then, yeah, look, Allen had another big game, 22 and six. And then Giannis, of course, you know, he had 18, 18 points, seven boards, nine assists. He just makes the right play at the right time. You know, we talk about guys who always make the right decision or nearly always make the right decision in EWC sports. Look, Giannis, Giannis is just one of those guys who is doing it at the professional level right now. Yeah, like like you said, I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo, you saw like early in the career, like when you lose those series like Toronto or the Celtics, I, I just think, he really didn't have like, okay, yeah, we can do it against Orlando on a Tuesday night in the regular season. And he can get away with just playing bully ball. But I think he really didn't understand like, okay, until we get to the playoffs here, how, how defense has changed and how refs swallow their whistle and how just a lot of aspects that come into play. And I just think like he is so dominant when he gets the ball, like that 17 foot top of the key. It's over from that point because you're either giving up or layup, or if you take away that, it's a three in the corner. And that's I've just noticed that with Giannis, it's it's much less him just dominating the point guard. You you don't see that a lot now in the playoffs where you normally do in the regular season. Like he's just dominating that kind of like that middle like free throw line area. And when he gets that down, just wow! It's just it's it's just you really don't have an answer on how to defend five players when he gets the ball there and. See, I just think that's a big thing, and yeah, he's hopefully can just keep it rolling. I mean, I can't unsee what I saw last year in the playoffs and in the finals from him. He finally like figured it out last year, 
and just like no just took over games and I think this kind of sparks like this kind of next little era these next four or five years that Giannis goes on and I don't think it's a question like if he's going to win another one maybe it's a question how many more will he win it I mean I don't know it, it, you just have to be ecstatic like me and you Bucks fans is having him exactly and Look, Drew Holiday, that was a story, had a pretty good game three. Had a very nice game four then, you know, with 26 points, seven assists. Look, I mean, Drew Holiday was concerning last year in some games in the playoffs. Wasn't the first two this year, but look, he's turned it around, and he's a guy you need, right, with Middleton going out. And look, Brooke Lopez not didn't do much, you know, in game four, but he's still a big, crucial piece to this squad. And look, the big thing for me is, you can get out of this first round, right? You're playing Giannis 35 minutes only in game four and then having him, you know, having being able to play backups for a good chunk in the second half in game three. This is just an ideal situation for the Bucs now, 3-1. You know, hopefully you can close this series out then. And look, this this is looking great because you go, you, it looks like you're going to be facing Boston, right, in the semis. And, uh, you know, you're going to have these guys rested. I think that's going to be the big thing, right? You got, I believe, a two- Two day off. You have two days off right now. Yeah, because you play game five, April 27th. So that gives, you know, that Monday and Tuesday off for the Bucks before they go. So that's going to be even better, right? And not even play, you know, yeah, it's only playing 35 minutes in this game, which is still a lot. But, you know, playoffs, usually you'll see 40 plus here. So I'm liking what we're seeing right now from Coach Bud. And I'm liking what we're seeing in the minutes, you know, how the minutes are being allocated right now. So, Look, Bucks close this out Wednesday. It looks like you get Boston. We'll do a little preview here before we go to trivia. Robert, what do you think, you know, about a potential of a, a Boston-Milwaukee semifinal? Yeah, you know, like first, yeah, like it, it's tough because I always kind of went back and forth like Ben Simmons, what a joke. Like just what a joke. So Boston's going to win that series. I mean, I, I was kind of pulling for the Nets to win just because I think it's just more drama. The sports talk shows are better with, you know, Kyrie and yes. KD and Simmons. Is he playing? Like, it's just it's just a little more fun. And, I, and I'd rather beat the Nets than the Celtics just because, you know, I'm a big Kyrie Irving guy, but there's a lot of baggage with the Nets. And when we beat them last year, boy, did that feel so good, didn't it? And it's just like, I don't know, but, yeah, it will be the Celtics. I mean, who knows? Nets might steal one. But yeah, I fully believe Bucks get it done. And the Boston Celtics, they oh, they they just kind of always like they don't scare me, but they're the one team in the East I wouldn't really want to play just because I, I just think, you know, they're just they're they're well coached. They're well they just they're well run organization who just does things the right way. Tatum is just a beast. Then they just I mean, Al Horford is playing like he did five, six years ago, it looks like. And he just he just does a lot of stuff well. And they have so many guys that are just my Marcus Smart has just always been just a really good player in his career. So, I mean, I definitely like the Bucks in that series. I think, I think at times like Drew Holiday, like you said, he had some rough games in the playoffs last year. And in Game Two was the ugliest game I've seen him play in recent uh, memory. But yeah, I just think if he can just kind of just maybe not like force as much, like just driving in. Just get it to Giannis. Like you said, it looks so easy for the Bucs at some times. Like in the Bulls this series, yeah, it looked easy when DeRozan's on and the Bucs don't make an adjustment to go guard him at the three-point line. 
he can just run up and shoot a shot. But it's just like the Bulls, it looked so hard for them to like operate and score. They looked so like everything was so hard. And I just think that's just a credit to Budenholzer and uh, the Bucks defense making adjustments in these uh, last two games. And so I think that's just a big thing for the series. You know, Tatum's going to have his big games. Smart's going to probably, you know, play good defense. And I just think it, you just got to look for those adjustments. And I, I, I would Bucks in six. Let's just uh, that's where that. I was going. Look, yeah, the Celtics being the best defensive team in, in the NBA based on metrics in the regular season. I think, you know, Marcus Smart waiting defensive player of the year, right? They they have proven guys. They have proven no scores. I like Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown's one of the most, like, consistent scorers in the NBA. Like, right, Tatum will give you those great games. But, you know, once in a while, I feel like Tatum throws in those stinkers, right? But, you know, Tate, you still can't, you know, question the skill level of Jason Tatum. But, you know, a guy like Jalen Brown being kind of that second fiddle to to him, I think that's a big, yeah, that's big for this Celtic squad. But look, um, Middleton not having him hurts. You know, he's always done well against the Celtics in his career. But I, I think you know, Bucks. I, I still think you got to trust trust the process here. I'm going to take a 76er save for the Bucks, but you got to fear the deer, Bucks and six. So uh, with that here, Robert, are you ready for some trivia? I'm ready. All right, I know you're looking forward to this. So this is a little grab bag, right? I, it's a lot of basketball. It's at the high school level, collegiate level. And, you know, it's just at those two levels. So with that here, let's go. Number one out of five, there's five questions. There's multiple choice. One of them, there's not because I got to make sure. You know, I, I just got to quiz you a little here. So here we go. How did the UW Oshkosh Titans do in men's basketball this past season? I'm looking for their record. I can give you options if you need them. So let me answer this. Oh, like I'm pretty sure they went 27 and three. Did oh 29 and three? I know they had three. I'm pretty sure they had three losses. I mean, I came in right at the start of the season, but I'm gonna go 20. Gonna go 29 and three. Bases done. Okay, so. I'm going to give you options based on what I found, right? So on what I saw, I saw, here's your multiple choice here. And on their overall record, either 24 and three, 22 and five. That's what it was. Or 23 and four. 24 and three. They went 23 and four. So I I throw a little tough one in there. I can read you their losses. It was, they lost at Illinois. They lost, um, it was, it was they lost, Wesleyan. Yeah, Wesleyan. Yep. Uh, Eau Claire. Case Western and Eau Claire. Yep, yeah, they're Case your four Western losses. Western was the one. I, I always look at their record, and they lost the last one of the year. I don't know. I, I just totally, totally forgot about that. I always knew that we had our three losses, and then I obviously just forgot to count the last one. No worries. But, but I don't know why I was in the 29s and 27s. But, yeah, you're correct. That 20, 23 and 4 sounds very accurate. All right, here's the next one here, Robert. They get a little, you know, I throw in some high school here. Who won the conference in EWC boys basketball for the 2016 to 2017 year? So Is I'll, 20? yeah, you, if you need options, I'll let you talk it out first. No, I think I got this. So, so 2016, 2017. So that would have been the second season. I think that would have been the second season Correct. in EWC. Yep. So the first year, okay, so. 
can you see i should know this i can give you options i'll give you them no here. i don't okay, no? I, I mean i know who like the options would be can you give me this like any seniors like who's a player of the year that year i'm blanking um here I, I don't have all those numbers up right now but i'm pretty sure it was see i'm going i'm i'm really in between balders like balders new holstein i'm pr- i'm very in between those two but if i'm going to go with balders it was new holstein and i am sorry i give you the player of the year now 2016 Burn. to 2017 yep it was him yeah, I knew they went thirteen and one. Valors went twelve and two. Dang it! I, I knew and, it was between those two, and I was, I knew they met at Manasha there, and Valors got the last laugh. So that's why, and I always kind of thought Valors was the favorite in that game, and so that's why I went with Valders. But yeah, yeah, that was close. Yeah, no, these are tough ones here to start. Next one here is about Robert Chimmick's base or basketball career here. What was your career high in scoring for your senior year in basketball? 14, 16, or 18? 16 at home against two rivers. There we go. Boom. He's got it. Didn't, All right. Not, not too high, so I didn't have much issue with that one. Next one here. Here's a true or false. I'm going to read the statement, and you're going to tell me if it's true or false. Robert Schimmick shot under 40% from three his junior year. Is that true or false? See, this is kind of embarrassing. Like, I know all my stats, but I know on Huddle I shot 40% my junior year. I'm not sure what it was on WSN, and that's obviously where you're getting your stats. I feel like I was at – I feel like I'm just going to go under because I don't – I think it was in the 30s. No, uh, and you were right. It it was 40. It it was over 40. So – you know, I, I, I mean, we can give you that. Well, like, look, you you knew you you knew it was over forty. You just didn't know if they were a match in there. So, but which which they would have been in that case because they both said over forty. So, last one here. So this one is a little fun here, and you get you get three strikes basically, and I need you to name three of the five scoring leaders for the EWC in twenty fifteen to twenty sixteen. So the first year, you get you get three. You know. You get three strikes, Carter the three Walker, wrong ones. Yeah. Yep. There's one. So, so Carter Velker, I think, was Carter Velker, obviously, yeah, one. He was number two that year. Okay, yeah. Braden Peterson was one. Yep. Carter Velker was two. Just name one. Luke Schneider. He was not on that list. Not Luke Schneider was not. Zach Schneider. Zach, Zach Schneider. Schneider. There you oh. go. You got the top three. That and then can you give me four and five just for some extra credit here? I guess Jared Petrie, and then I'm going to go. Jared Petrie is four, right? JT. JT was number five. You're missing number okay. four right now. I'm just going through my teams here. Yeah. So and then I want to say yeah. I don't. I don't think like a Schuler or Persinger was nope. up there. Nope. So not them. And I got around Kali, no Chilton, no Brilliant. What it would have to have been. Mm, this is <laughs> this is why we love Holstein. Yep. So I'm just going to go burn. Yep. There you go. Wow, that was impressive. So, you know, I I don't know how I 
I think we give we're gonna give you a number four. We'll say a three out of five showing here for you, Robert. This was a tougher trivia, right? You know, I've given you some, you've dominated in them. We have to, you know, up the difficulty here on a Monday sports crew episode. So how was that? Yeah, that was that was great. Um little reminisce of the past and yeah, it just, I don't know, you know, been on those pages a lot on WSN, so some of that stuff just sticks with you. And you've been around, you know, watching EWC sports you know, since, you know, pre-EWC era, right? You know, the old Olympian, right, is, is some, you can go back to those days as well, but, you know, with that, Robert, you got anything you want to talk about left here on this Monday episode? No, not really. I mean... I think, yeah, it was a very successful episode, obviously. A uh, fun episode, I should say. And, yeah, hopefully, uh, I never know, might be back. I would love to do more. Yeah, it was great to have you on. Look, we, we love to have guests on. and We're, we're, we're going to keep rotating through them right now. So, yeah, with that here, uh, just talking social medias before we go today, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew is the Instagram, at JD Sportspot is the Twitter YouTube, Jordan Drew, the sports crew, and Facebook, Jordan Drew, the sports crew. So with that, thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Drew's Sports Crew, the perfect podcast for you.